Everything is real. I'm Natalie D. I'm Drew Toothpaste. And today we are talking about how the abduction of Travis Walton was completely real. I love this story. This is one of my favorite UFO stories. I think anybody who's into UFOs has their list of favorite stories and certainly a long list of stories they would disregard. The abduction of Travis Walton is way up there for me. Yeah, Travis Walton is up there for me too. I think that there is one alien story that I like more than Travis Walton, but that'll be another episode. Travis Walton is like at least number two for me though. And I think the reason why it's so compelling to me is because it's so absolutely frightening and there are so many details. Yeah, there's so many details. It's absolutely terrifying. I think that Fire in the Sky is the scariest alien movie. Now, Fire in the Sky was the movie and the book that was, (laughs) well... Travis Walton did write a book. The book he wrote was not Fire in the Sky. There was a book and a movie. I'm not sure which came out first because you know how that goes. But the movie Fire in the Sky was a dramatization of Travis Walton's abduction. And it's pretty frightening. It's pretty scary. But you know what? When you hear the actual Travis Walton story like from his mouth, it's like not as scary as the movie made it out to be. Like the movie was really scary. (laughs) The aliens and Fire in the Sky were absolutely terrifying. The thing with the rubber over his face and shit, it was creepy and shitty. But none of that stuff happened, like, if you actually listen to his report of what happened. Okay, so I need to know from square one, who is Travis Walton and what happened to him? Travis Walton was this young strapping dude who was a logger. And he was working with a logging crew in Snowflake, Arizona. And when he was leaving the area where he was logging... One night in November of 1975, he was abducted by a UFO and he was gone for like five or six days. And then he showed back up. They were logging in an area that was either in or near a national forest. Right, right. They were just thinning it out. It was like a thinning. Okay, okay. And so they were going through in like areas where there was too many trees, where they was like getting choked. And they were also clearing out a lot of like branches and brush and stuff. So it would make it less likely that the forest would burn down. Okay. So more of a preemptive kind of right. scenario. Right. Like it was a tree maintenance situation, I think, as opposed to them clear cutting it for toilet paper or something. Now, this happened in 1975. So there were six dudes in the pickup truck. They piled in there. They went up. They cut their logs. And then as they were coming back... After a day of logging, they see a fucking UFO, right? Right. Well, the way he described it was they were driving down the mountain on this dirt road that was like an access road. And they saw a glow. And it was like a very low-key situation. Like, they just saw a glow off in the distance. He described it as looking like maybe if there was some lights in a tent. Okay. And so it was like a diffuse light, right? And he said that he saw it off in the distance and he was talking to all these other guys and it wasn't even worth like pointing out or stopping the conversation. He just saw it and he noticed other guys around him were also noticing it. This diffuse golden light in the trees, right? And then they were driving down this dirt road and they made it into a clearing and when they got into the clearing, they saw the UFO there. And so, what does this thing look like? He said it looked like a standard UFO, but the way he described it made it sound like it was glowing all over. It was all light. And he said it filled the whole area with light in a way that was really eerie and creepy. Because it was like soft golden light, but it was like extremely lighty. (laughs) So, this is interesting, and this is something that this case has in common with a lot of UFO reports, which is that... People will describe 
objects or craft or beings as being luminous and being shiny and being reflective, but they always say that they couldn't quite tell what color it was. They couldn't quite tell what was happening with the light. Right. They couldn't tell if it was reflection or if it was glowing or if it was fluorescing. Right. Right? Right. And so there's something happening. And this is something that we just talked about in the Hopkinsville Goblin case, which is that these little guys, their bodies were glowing or reflective, or shiny, or, or silver. Yeah, right, chromed out. Right, but they were also seeming to radiate light. It wasn't just that they were catching the moonlight, right? Mm-hmm. And in this case, they're coming down the mountain. Like they got off work at about 6 p.m. or something. Right. They're coming down the mountain, and so it's already dark, or it's at least getting dark. Yeah, it's, it was getting dark. And so they come upon this craft, and they stop the car. Right. They stop the truck. They're like, whoa, what the fuck is that? And everybody's stopping and they're looking at this fucking UFO, which is very funny because years afterward, they went back. Of course, they went and they tried to track people down, you know, 20 years later in 1995. You know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 30 years, 40 years later, they're trying to track people down. And one guy is like, I don't know. One guy didn't want to talk about it. And he was like, I, I don't know. I I was just at a spot I couldn't see. Like, bro, everybody was staring at the fucking UFO. Right. (laughs) If you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But everybody could see the UFO because it was dark and it was fucking glowing. Right. So Travis gets out of the pickup truck. Yeah, like an idiot. (laughs) Like a real idiot. He ran out of the pickup truck to go check it out. He said it was making all kinds of noise and it was getting louder and it was just like, woo. He also said on the topic of the light, he said that the surface of it, it was glowing, but certain areas of it were darker than others. So it was not even uniformly glowing at the same level of light. Okay. But he ran out, and he was like, oh, man, I'm going to check this out. And he's like, oh, shit. He was, like, apprehensive. And then he leapt off to the side to try to hide from it. Because <laughs> all of his friends were like, dude, get back in the fucking car. You need to fucking stop. You need to turn around and get back in the car. Right? And he's like, oh, shit. And he went to hide from this UFO. Because it was just right there on the ground, man. It wasn't like... 500 feet up in the air it was like right there and he said that when he got behind the log and then he went to stand up to run back to the truck he was like eight feet away from it and when that happened there was like a huge electromagnetic pulse or something that knocked him off his feet and knocked him out and there was they reported a flash of light right right and when that happened and when Travis Walton fell down. All the guys in the pickup truck took off. They left, yeah. They're like, oh, shit. Whoever was in control of the gas pedal pressed it. (laughs) Right. They're like, nope. (laughs) It probably threw him a couple feet, I'm sure, from what I've heard how it's described. It sounded like he was, like, very much tossed by it, right? And so he was knocked out. His friends left. And then when his friends came back a little bit later, because they were like, we need to go get this guy. We need to go get our buddy that we left. And they went back and he was gone. He was not there anymore. And the UFO was also gone at that point. Right. The UFO was absolutely gone. And Travis Walton was also gone. They did not see him again for five days and six hours. So they had to be feeling pretty cool. Right. They probably, yeah. They looked guilty. They looked like they were up to something. They went back and they're like, yeah, I don't know where Travis went. We saw a UFO. Now he's gone. It sounds fishy, right? It sounds very fishy. And so people were suspicious of these kids. They were like all young dudes. I think the youngest one was 17. Mm-hmm. And the oldest one who was probably the manager of the whole operation or like the overseer was 25. And so these were all young dudes. 
And they came back without this kid, and they're like, they obviously killed that guy up on the mountain. Yeah. Or something happened, and they didn't want to talk about it, or right. what, whatever, right. whatever. Yeah. Something happened, and everyone is, like, closing ranks and being like, whatever, right? And Travis Walton's brothers thought that his co-workers had killed him, and there were, like, big dramas between his brothers and his co-workers where they were like threatening him and like just like you killed my brother etc etc his brother was like going up the mountain into all the brush piles that they had set aside to get burnt and he's like i know that's where i know that's where my brother is they're making all those piles he has to be in one of those piles he was up there tearing piles apart trying to find the body like that's where he is no never found him he wasn't anywhere one of his two brothers eventually was like okay well i believe his co-workers but his brother who was more apt to believe the story of his co-workers was a guy who had seen a UFO not that long ago mm. in that same area. And so he was like, I don't know. I did see some UFOs. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, it was just like a lot of drama. There's a lot of like hardship between these guys in between when he disappeared and when he showed back up. And then he showed back up and guess what, bitches? He was out in outer space or some shit. <laughs> So one of the interesting things about this UFO is that somewhere it filtered out that someone who was observing it, or maybe Travis himself, described the UFO as being about eight feet tall mm -hmm. and about 25 feet across. And this is very interesting because of what Travis reported happening to him aboard. Right, right. So this is tiny, you know, eight feet tall, 25 feet across. That's like the size of a small house. Right, if that. But like, there's an idea that I've heard is that UFOs aren't necessarily so much craft as they are like little portals. Like you hop in and it's way bigger when you hop in, right? And so Travis Walton reported being aboard when he came to, he got knocked out mm -hmm. by this pulse, this light, whatever happened. He wakes up and he's in like a hospital room. Right, right. He was in a room on a table. He said it was like not a real bright room. And he was being observed by three gray aliens. Now, the aliens in the movie look way creepier than gray aliens. Gray aliens are just, like, kind of inoffensive, right? These guys in the movie, they were absolutely terrifying. They were extremely gross, <laughs> yeah. But he said that they were about four feet tall, and they were pale, and they had big heads. They had the big gray alien eyes, and they were wearing orange jumpsuits. And he started losing his shit. He did exactly what I would have done, which was start wailing on him. <laughs> <laughs> he did exactly what I would have done. He hopped off the table and grabbed some kind of glass thing that he saw on the side of the room and he just started wailing on him. Just going bonkers. He said that they were extremely easy to knock over. <laughs> First of all, the aliens were weak as hell. They're so, he said they were little <laughs> and they didn't weigh very much. And so when he first shoved one, he made contact and the guy went flying. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> he had some like crazy like Superman strength compared to these little guys. Well, also, you got to understand that this guy did manual labor. Right. He was a logger, so he's out there hauling equipment up and down literally a mountain and hauling trees around and pushing trees and chopping off logs and hauling logs, right? Mm -hmm. So he was not like a little wispy guy. No. 
No, he was definitely, he could definitely take a child. (laughs) The size of, like, third graders or something, and they went down easy. And so, (laughs) he just was wailing on these aliens until they finally brought in a human, what appeared to be a human anyway, who came in, he was wearing, like, a space helmet, like one of those classic space helmets. Like a bubble helmet, Yeah. yeah. He had long hair. And he was like, just grabbed Travis Walton and let him into another room. And he said it kind of looked like a planetarium in the second room that he was in. And when he was in this other room, there was the guy who brought him in, who was a dude. And there was a second alien that was looking like a person. And they put him down. And then he woke up on the side of the road. Yeah. Now, the whole thing where there's multiple rooms and there's a hallway, he gets led down this hallway to this other room. Travis, when he recounted this, his idea was that he thought that the little ship brought him up to something else. Mm -hmm. But, of course, what you brought up is something that I think is entirely possible, which is if these motherfuckers are playing with gravity waves, there's no way that they're not going to distort the space-time inside their craft to hold more shit in there. Right. So they could very easily have universe in a thimble, as Carl Sagan or somebody like that would say. Right, right. So it's entirely possible that they could have taken him on this small ship and brought him up to a mothership. Or when he got inside the ship, however that happened, you know, space inside there could have been distorted to such an aspect that, you know, it could have mile-long hallways and hundreds or thousands of rooms for humans to be stored in. Right, right. Something I think about when I think about this story and I think about him wailing on the aliens and then they bring in the humans to deal with them. I wonder how much of that was that they had humans on there or that they had some kind of humanoid aliens on the ship. And how much of that would be maybe they had uh, some kind of cloaking technology or they were able to just make him perceive them as being human. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what Elon Musk uses. (laughs) He doesn't do a very good job. He doesn't have very good technology. (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be simple. It's just once you get... And maybe this is just me as like a slightly genetically deranged ape, okay? I don't have access to much technology. I have a computer. That's not very good. Mm -hmm. Right. I would assume that any species that could control gravity and move faster than the speed of light would be able to put on a costume. Right, right. (laughs) Like a costume is not an advanced technology. Right. I also think that when it comes to some civilization that can control space-time... Why would they have a spaceship and why wouldn't they just pinch the distance in between where they are and where they want to be and just open a window? You know, that's a great question. I think I always assumed that they had to have something physical doing that as it's going. Right. But, uh, hey, I don't know anything about that technology. It's beyond the technological achievements of my species. So the way you described it might be a way that it works. Right, right. I just think about how they just like pop up and disappear and this and that. We are oversimplifying it by saying it's like a outer space car. I mean, 10,000 years ago, people might be like, okay, so there's a special rock and you dig down far enough and you get dinosaur oil and you put the oil in the rock and you set that on fire and you can drive down a road. And the other person's like, what's a road? Right. What is drive? What is drive? Exactly. We're talking about concepts that we don't understand. We're just making up words for what they're doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 
Right. Exactly. I mean, this whole podcast, we're just pulling shit out of our ass, honestly. <laughs> it is deeply funny to me every time we start to ponder about what kind of technology the aliens are using. It's like, so this is a sort of laudanum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so yes, yeah, so this dude came to on the highway five days later, and oh, it was a ruckus. <laughs> he was subjected to all kinds of bullshittery with lie detectors tests and this and that. And Oh, yeah, so when he comes back, everybody's like, bullshit, you got abducted. Mm -hmm. And they took all of his co-workers. There was a police department nearby in a little town, and they dragged everybody in and questioned them. Right. And the police are like... I don't know. These guys seem like real scared. Maybe that's because they murdered this guy. But then he shows up and then they're like, OK, well, that's not why. Right. Well, they said that they did polygraph tests on all of them and they all passed. One of them was inconclusive, but that was not an indication that he was being deceptive. It was right. just like the test didn't land for whatever reason. The Arizona Department of Public Safety and the police department both believed the crew's story. That they had perceived the UFO and Walton disappearing because these guys were freaked out, like you said. Three out of five of the workers, besides Travis Walton, said that they were too traumatized by what they saw to go back with the police to the area where he had been abducted even. Oh, so the police were like, come with us. And they're like, hell no. They're like, let's go back up the mountain and check out what's going on. And they're like, I'm not going up that mountain. No. Mm -mm. Not at all. So, I mean, that to me is compelling evidence because we are talking about tough guys, loggers, right? Yeah. Not only are they like, macho dudes logging it up. They were also of an age, like 17 to 25, where it's peak, like, dick swinging age, right? Oh, yeah. That's when you're like, I need to prove that I am, like, the most manliest guy. I am, like, totally heteronormative and part of the patriarchy, <laughs> right? These guys would not readily be like, I'm too scared to go up there. I don't want to go up there, mister. It's too scary. These guys wouldn't have been open to doing that unless they actually were scared. Absolutely not. I do not think that loggers in Arizona in 1975 would be like, <laughs> you know, I feel like you're forcing me to revisit some recent trauma I had. <laughs> They were like, hell no. They were like, I am not. I wouldn't go back either. Eh, maybe I would. I kind of, I'm a little bit of a sucker for that kind of stuff. I like being scared a little bit. <laughs> I, would I, I would go back, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, like I have anxiety. I've had anxiety my whole life. And the one thing that always works to the point where I'm like habituated to it is that if something scares me, like, and it's just when you have anxiety, if you are having anxiety because like somebody in your family is sick or whatever, that's not what I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is you have a good reason to be worried about the future. That's not anxiety, right? Uh -huh. It's just like when you see a little comic with some dinosaurs, not dinosaur comics, but one of the bad ones. <laughs> and they're like, I, I can't do that. I have depression. It's not what fucking depression is. Depression right. is not being sad. Just like anxiety is not worrying. It's something totally different. So if if you're having this anxiety panic reaction or whatever, and something sets you off, the, the one thing that has always worked for me is forcing myself to do it. Mm -hmm. 
And I mean, I, I'm not saying it works for everybody. I'm just saying, hey, it works for me. I'm not a psychologist. I mean, exposure therapy is one of the main ways of getting over anxiety. So, yeah. So, look, if I had a traumatizing experience up on a mountain, me personally, what I would do if the cops were like, you want to go back up there? I'd be like, I bet that bitch UFO isn't there. <laughs> he better not be there. I'll punch him out. I'm me going. and my buddies, the cops. <laughs> now... You're putting words in my mouth. I love cops. <laughs> That's what you said. Oh, my God. <laughs> you like to hang out with them and eat donuts with them. <laughs> Share cop stories. <laughs> they can all tell you cop stories, and then you can tell them stories you saw on cops. <laughs> you know, the story of the show Cops is really one that holds a mirror up to society. I remember when I was a kid... They started that show. It was just cops kind of bumbling around and going around and checking on old people. And occasionally they'd run down a bank robber and take his mask off and right, stuff. Right, right. It was, yeah. It was and nicer. I didn't watch it for many years. And then I was like, oh, word, cops are still on the air. And I turned it on. And it was just a guy kitted out in, like, full Call of Duty shit. And, like, he peeps in on his radio. He's like, yeah, we're going to kill this guy. I'm like, oh, I can't watch this. <laughs> they all was like... Plow into some poor person's house like stormtroopers. Just like, ah! Cop yeah. rage. Yeah, the the show changed. It was, uh... Yeah, it's not it. <laughs> I wouldn't trust the cops personally to investigate UFOs, but if we're just talking in a vacuum, would I go revisit the place where I got abducted by UFOs? I'd probably go to it, and I'd probably force my brain to recognize that I'm not going to get abducted every time I go there. And then be like, also, you probably won't get abducted every time you're on a mountain. And just, like, keep talking yourself down. That's my right, little right. That's my little trick. And, I mean, Travis Walton had ideas about what they were even doing. Like, what the aliens were even doing. He has posited that it was accidental. He wasn't supposed to get abducted by them then. It's just he got knocked out by the burst coming from the craft. And he said that they took him onto the craft and kept him as long as they did because they were healing him from the damage that he took from the craft blowing him over. Oh, really? And so he thought that he was actually getting helped by them. Like, they were like, oh, shit, we hurt this guy. Let's let's help him out and fix him and put him back. Because he said that when he came to, none of the aliens were doing anything bad to him. And none of them were touching him or anything like that. It was all him freaking out. He said that if he woke up and he was cool about it, that they probably wouldn't have done anything to him at all. Except he woke up and he felt like he was going to die because he was really badly injured. And he had been unconscious. And so he woke up and he felt bad. He said he had an association with feeling as bad as he did and seeing these aliens. And he just like started getting combative. Which is what happens when people go to the hospital, too, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I know when I was anesthetized for my wisdom teeth, I woke up talking all kinds of shit to the nurse. What were you talking about with her? I don't even remember, but I remember I was getting real mad. I remember I got told I was talking all kinds of shit to the nurse. And I went back and I was like, you know what? I'm I'm really sorry. And the nurse was just like laughing at me. And she's like, everybody does that. And I was like, well... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you, I wonder I'm what still, you were saying. Were you I, saying gross stuff to her? I don't think I would have. No, you're so nice. You're probably being grumpy about not being able to leave. If I had yeah, to yeah, I was probably, if I had to guess, I was probably like, what do you mean you got to observe me? You think I can't take anesthesia? <laughs> you're not my boss. I'm going home. That's what I, I'm, like. <laughs> I'm paying for this. I can go if I want. That's right. That's what I told the vaccine people. <laughs> 
I'm going to go sit in my car. If I die out there, you'll see me. Right. I always, if it's the first time I get a shot, I will stick around for the 10 minutes to make sure I don't keel over. But after that, I don't give a shit. It's fine. (laughs) I'll roll the dice, baby. (laughs) We all got to go sometime. (laughs) So what evidence do we have that this is true? During the investigation... Deputy Sheriff Chuck Ellison, who was from Heber, Arizona, said that Walton's co-workers all seem like they are telling the truth and said that if they were acting, they were awfully good at acting. That's a really interesting comment because I feel like the majority of people are probably really bad at lying. Mm -hmm. Now, I think most people are probably good at the kind of lie, like, how did I look on stage at karaoke? You look great, dude. You look great. Your song was cool. Like, people will tell lies like that all the time. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about shit that doesn't matter. If you get implicated in a fucking murder case, you're gonna be shitting yourself. People can't just lie. Only, like sociopaths Mm -hmm. can lie can just stay cool and lie in a situation like that the fact that if you got a crew of six guys one of the guys goes missing the first thing the cops do is they separate them all and they interrogate them all separately right regardless of them getting their story right the cops are gonna pick at the edges and You'll never find a group of six people where they are all so savvy and so smart that they will anticipate everything the cops are going to ask them and nail down every single detail and every eventuality. They're going to find inconsistencies in their stories. Right. And do you think that the cops aren't pretty well versed in what a dude looks like when he's lying to you? I mean, you don't... People lie to the cops all day long. You don't have to be like a genius FBI detective. You can be a middle of the road cop and if you've spent the last 20 years getting alternately lied to and told the truth you may begin to tell the difference right right it is illegal to hire smart cops and yet (laughs) (laughs) they can do that pretty well well i mean you could train a dog to pick garbage up and put it in a trash can (laughs) and he could do a really great job doing that but doesn't mean the dog's a genius Even even the simplest creatures can get good at what they do. Yeah. Squirrels are really great at collecting nuts. They're still not geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> and also, the cops are not neutral arbiters. The cops have a motive. If somebody goes missing, the cops want to close the case so mm-hmm. they can stop working on it. Mm-hmm. The cops definitely, if you show up with a missing person and they find you and you were the last one to talk to the missing person, they want to stick you with the crime so they can quit fucking thinking about it. Right, exactly, exactly. Some people speculated that the abduction was faked to get the crew out of a contract for their logging work, okay? And the only way they could get out of doing the work would be if there was an act of God Mm. that would excuse them from delivering their load late. Okay. But... When they examined the paperwork for the logging company, it showed that all the workers were paid out without invoking the contract clause, even though all this stuff happened. So this did not make them invoke that clause. So if this was the reason for doing it, then they did not. It didn't end up mattering anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, if if you're like, I'm going to make up a big, huge lie in production with six other people so we can get out of doing our work, and then you went through with the big charade, wouldn't you then try to get that clause on the contract? Yeah, for sure. For sure. They didn't. So uh, so that wasn't the motive, right? 
It doesn't seem like it would be, no. You would think that if that was what they were doing, that they definitely would have said, hey, there was something happening Sure, today. sure. And they did soil samples around where the craft appeared, and it showed that there were unusual levels of iron and some other components in the soil that were not present in the surrounding area. I mean, iron is something that happens here. I mean, I'm not amazed with that evidence, but sure, that's cool, I guess. So, iron is interesting because... Anytime you have any kind of like UFO shit happening, gravitational fields, there's the implication that you have electromagnetic activity. Right. Iron is the most common metal in the Earth's crust. And of course, to the best of our knowledge, the core of the Earth is full of molten iron. So the Earth has a lot of iron in it. Right. However, you would think that if there is a significantly higher level of iron in an area where UFO landed, doesn't that implicate some kind of electromagnetic activity that sort of engages? Or was pulling it to the surface, maybe? Yeah, just like if you've got uh, some iron filings in a tank of water and you put a magnet on the outside, they'll, you know, cluster up around the magnet. Right, sure. And sort okay, of dip- all right, maybe, I'll, maybe I like that iron more than I thought I did. Thanks, Mr. Wizard. <laughs> There's there's questions of how much or how far iron particles could move through soil, but they're in Arizona. There's a possibility that there's fairly loose, sandy soil, as opposed to like the clay type soil sure. we have out here. Sure. And it's possible that if you have a very strong electromagnetic field, you could be dragging microparticles that have heavy iron content up to the surface. If you have a huge amount of force you can cause those to permeate through the soil regardless of how tightly packed the soil may be. Right, right. So what evidence do we have that this was not real? This is, we're going to get into interesting stuff here. Steve Pierce, who is one of the guys in the logging crew, has gone on record to say that he was offered $10,000 to issue a public denial of Walton's claims. And he refuted the claims in a book entitled Ultimate Encounter by Bill Barry in 1978, but later admitted to Philip Class that he appeared in that book in order to get that $10,000 payment. And so there were people involved in the crew who said that this did not happen, but it then later came out that they were only compelled to do so because someone was paying them to say that. The idea that a UFO debunker is going to pay somebody money to claim that an alien encounter never happened is incredibly suspicious to me. First of all, most people who go around debunking this stuff, they're doing it because of some sort of idea of ideological purity. They're doing this because they are fans of scientific advancement, right? Right. And they feel a need to do like a citizen's arrest level bit of work to reinforce the idea that only the observable is real and that, you know, UFOs are pseudoscience. If you look at any kind of Fortean topic on Wikipedia, all of them will say prominently and upfront, they will say UFOs, some fake shit that is pseudoscience, comma. Right, yeah, uh uh-huh. Because this debunking is like part of 
this amateur academic culture. And hilariously, what you find is as you actually get into professional academic culture, there are a lot of people who are occultists and a lot of people who believe in UFOs. This is a hallmark of people who do this like as a fandom. Right, right. <laughs> you guys are, it's essentially writing fanfic of science, like knowing nothing about it and not not having worked in it, etc. But the idea that somebody that does this has $10,000 in Reminder, this is 1978. Yes, that's a lot of dollars in 1978. Some young dude in 1978. So I don't know who was the oldest guy, but in 1978, the oldest guy would have been 28. So chances are Steve Pierce was younger than 28 when he was offered $10,000 in 1978 money, which was probably $50,000. Right now, it would would probably be worth between $50,000 and $100,000. That is an enormous amount of money. No way he would have turned it down. It would take a lot for me to turn down $50,000 right now. I think the average person in America, if you got offered $50,000 to make some kind of statement or another, you would be under incredible economic pressure. Unless you're independently wealthy, you're under enough economic pressure that you have to take the money. Right. But what is suspicious to me is the fact that somebody has this amount of money and they're going to give it to you to break this case. Who is supplying the money to break one of the most prominent UFO Hmm. contact cases? Ooh, I wonder if it's the government, probably. (laughs) They couldn't discredit the story by being like this is one guy who's just a looney tune who saw this guy he was just off on a drug binge with his side chick they couldn't say that because there was too many witnesses there were so many people that saw it and they were all determined to be reliable right to the best standards at the time so they came back and they tried to discredit it after the fact right they let it blow through and they let everybody get interested in it And they let it blow through, and then they wanted to come back and put the asterisk on it by saying, by the way, one of the people later admitted it was fake. Right. And by using that specific terminology, and you'll find this when you look at write-ups of the Travis Walton case that were done where they clearly have a goal in mind of portraying this as not being real, they will use the word admitted because to admit means that you have the preconception that it is, in fact, false and that other people are perpetuating a lie. Right. By using language in this way, you create these preconceptions. Just like the Wikipedia articles that start out, aliens, comma, a form of pseudoscience, (laughs) aliens, comma, a theoretical but probably fake type of being. Right. You are exposing your preconceptions, but what you're doing is you're couching it in language that implies things that are not necessarily true. If I give you a million dollars to say that you've never had a dream in your life, nobody can prove that you've ever had a dream. Mm -hmm. People could scan you and prove that you had neural activity, but they couldn't prove conclusively in a court that you had a dream. If I asked you, Natalie, if I give you a million dollars, will you go to NBC News and say, I never had a dream. And they would run your face and they'd say, blank mind, the woman who's never had a dream. The dreamless woman. <laughs> yeah. Would, sure, you ta- would, you ta- would you take $50,000? Sure. Woman admits she's never had a dream. That's not an admission. 
that is you making a claim. Uh-huh. If I say you made a claim, that comes from a neutral standpoint, right? If you admit that is like finally after all this time we got you to tell the truth. Right. Right. Aha. Uh-huh. We knew you hadn't had a dream all along. <laughs> the things I would say in the paper. <laughs> I have, and I am not going to get into details because people will go in and revert them immediately. I've been inserting fake facts into Wikipedia for 15 years now. I've gone in, I've edited stuff in there, I've added fake references, I've added fake information. I'm not going to get into the best ways to do it, but I have a process. No, you don't know it's me. No, it's not coming from my computer. Uh And I do it because... Number one, the stuff that I put in is always really funny. Like, this one got reverted so I can admit to it. I said that the guy inside Mr. Peanut was Chumley from Pawn Stars. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh-huh. I also said it was Banksy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny to put that stuff in. It doesn't matter and it doesn't affect history. But it's very funny and it's satisfying to do. And it also should give you some perspective that... You know, the kind of shit where you see people with this very nose-up-their-ass attitude about, I am going to be the arbiter of truth. Right. I am going to be the one who decides if aliens are real. You know, that's just some motherfucker out there, and, you know, they're doing this as a hobby. It's fun to them. That's fine. People can have hobbies. But this, you know, you can't take this shit is real where everybody has already decided the truth on their own. And then they go in and they use this sneaky language and they all collude to make sure all of these topics are tagged in a certain way. And in doing so, they're really keeping people from investigating this stuff. Right. One of the things you'll find when you go back and you look at some of these UFO cases, you can't find them on Google. Mm-hmm. Have yeah, you noticed this? Yeah, I have. You have to use a different search engine. You have to use a certain search engine. Sometimes the sites are gone. Is it because maybe the original guy who put the site up in the 90s died, moved on, didn't pay the bill, didn't have the backups? I don't know. You got to go on archive.org. You got to go into the internet archive and dig up these old ass sites to even find this stuff. Right, right. In a lot of cases, you have to go to the primary source, which was... You know, Travis Walton wrote a book. Right. You have to type in the name of the book, Travis Walton. You go to Library Genesis or you just go to DuckDuckGo and you search it and you put PDF and you get the primary source. All of this shit is being intentionally suppressed and it's coming from so many different angles that if you're not paying attention, it looks like people are just picking it apart and finding the truth when really what they're doing is they're destroying an incredible story of something that quite possibly happened by a thousand cuts. Right, right. I mean, no one likes those guys. <laughs> Nobody likes the debunkers. Nobody no. likes you. I mean, I just don't understand the investment in it. Like, when we are talking about these things, we are specifically talking about phenomena that is not measurable by science right now for whatever reason, because humanity has not reached a level of evolution where we are able to scientifically measure some of these things. And so we are still in the phases of poking it with a stick, right? Yeah. If you understand science, you understand that as soon as we are able to measure this, as soon as we are able to investigate it, it is going to be science. 
It is going to get rolled up with science and things that we are able to understand and experiment with. So I don't understand, like, what people's feelings are about it. Like, just let people explore the unknown, and then if it becomes known, then study it. What's what's the fucking issue? Where's the threat in it? People seem, like, so threatened by it, and they're so uncool about it. It's like they have a mission. They have a mission to just debunk it, debunk everything. Well, I think for some people, the world feels more in control when it is smaller. And it's true that if you shrink the universe to the list of ideas that we are sure, you know, fit in with each other like puzzle pieces, because that's all we're doing, we have models of reality. And if you start looking, you know, physicists admit there are no particles, okay? There's something happening, the particles, the waves, the energy, the matter. This stuff is just an abstraction that lets us quantify what is happening and to manipulate reality to create technology, okay? Mm -hmm. When we talk about we've got a silicon wafer and we're doping this with geranium or whatever, these are code words for what we are doing that links up with the rest of our reality, but we're not putting individual little spheres of geranium in there, okay? Where whatever we're doing is not what we think it is. Every time we create another step, in our understanding of the universe, we are building on this idea of base reality. And remember, it was, what, 150 years ago that Ignaz Semmelweis got thrown in a mental institution for saying you should wash your hands. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you can contract the world to the small list of things that you believe in, which always includes Star Wars for some reason. Right, sure. And then the world seems more manageable. But the truth is that the world, the universe, has so much more in it And I feel like you have way more of a sense of wonder and a sense of belonging and a sense of being around for discoveries and being part of humanity's ascension to understanding what is going on, hopefully, one day, constricting everything to this tiny little Neil Tyson idea of we sit around and we're miserable and then we just fucking disappear forever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is not rational in terms of your mental health. Like, if you are miserable all the time, maybe it's because you need to expand your world. Right. If you want to change the world you live in, the only thing that is in your control and the only thing that will actually work to change the world you live in is for you to change your perception of it. If you look out into the world and you see a bunch of lunatics telling you lies about how the world is and you see everything in a negative light and you see every flicker of wonder as an attempt to trick you, then you're going to have a very sad and miserable life, right? Why don't you just accept the things you see and perceive them and, you know, be like, wow, that's cool. And then it's real or it's not real. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? You know, all is perception. So if you perceive something, it's real in some sense. Is it understandable by science? That's a separate question. Right, right. Speaking of things that are understandable by science, Natalie, I want to make sure we don't miss this. I want to know about Travis Walton's polygraph. Okay, so in my section on the evidence that we have that this is not true, I have Travis Walton's appearance on the Moment of Truth, which (laughs) occurred in 2009. Now, Moment of Truth was a game show where they would do a polygraph test asking him questions, and then how far you advanced in the game was determined by 
how well you did on the polygraph test, right? And so, like, if they're like, oh, do you love your mother? And you'd be like, yes. And then it'd go, ding, that guy loves his mother. Here's $100, right? Yeah, yeah. And the questions got harder and harder. As it went on, it got harder and harder. Travis Walton's $100,000 question was, were you abducted by a UFO? He said yes, and the computer said he's lying. So that is all we have. That To me, that is the only bit of evidence in this entire story that, to me, indicates that maybe he is lying. But also, I do not believe this story. <laughs> I don't believe that a game show is an arbiter of truth. I don't believe that the producers for the show didn't have motivation to make him look like a fool for ratings. And keep in mind that every single episode of this show, they would never put somebody on the show that didn't have weird shit lurking. Like, they would bring some dude on, and they'd be like, when you were at work, and you claimed to have a flat tire, you actually spent the day going to the Mets game and drinking beer. And he'd be like, oh, shucks. Yeah, I did. Right. And then by the time they got to a $100,000 question, they're like, on the night of November 14th, 1994. <laughs> Like, they start accusing him of crazy shit, and then there's always, like, do you really love your wife? And then they fucking start crying, and then they're like, shit, baby, I need the money. No, I don't. And the computer's like, that's true. They zoom in on his wife, and she's crying, and he's crying. And then, uh, who was the fucking host? It was, like, uh, Mark Summers or something. This looks like a fan. I don't fucking know. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it was a slimy show. So so it's a slimy show. I stopped watching it. I was, you know, it was in the heyday of reality TV shows. And I think I watched an episode of, of it or two until I, I picked up what they're putting down. I wasn't into it, right? Like, this is just a vehicle to abuse people. Yeah, we're just abusing people. So, like, the only thing we have is that he didn't perform well on the show where it was just extremely greasy and they abused people. Now, also, I will point out that in many places, your performance on a polygraph test is not admissible in court either. So I'm not sure why this would be. It's not. So polygraph tests are generally not conclusive evidence because they measure your heart rate and your skin conductance Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I also want to point out that the debunker in 1978 paid Steve Pierce $10,000 to say this wasn't real. That cost the debunker $10,000. Travis Walton going on this show... And getting binged on the polygraph question, asking him if he really got abducted, saved them $100,000. <laughs> right. They right. made $100,000 by doing this. Mm-hmm. And so we have federal cases where we know that people were given answers on game shows and that game shows were rigged. Right. There's been movies about it. Right. Also, why would he agree to go on a polygraph game show if he wasn't confident he was going to pass it? If you knew in your heart of hearts that you were not abducted by a UFO and you just didn't want to talk about it, when they sent you that invitation to be on that show, wouldn't you be like, I got a conflict? I would be like, thank you for thinking of me. Uh Thanks for the invite. I really appreciate it. You know, I've had the invitation to be embarrassed on TV before. I've said no. 
I got called, what's the word for when you're a man and somebody calls you a princess because they're being sexist? Anyway, Chris Hardwick called me princess <laughs> over email because I refused to appear on Web Soup. Bro, I watched the show. You make fun of people. <laughs> right, right. I'm not going on TV. I'm not going to get made fun of on TV. I'm a fucking artist. Right. If you don't get my art, then that's your problem. But I don't need to subject myself to you making fun of me for it. <laughs> Especially on a one-sided thing. Like, you can make fun of me if I can respond to you. But I know that's not how your show goes either. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't say I've had dozens of offers to appear on TV. I've gotten... You've got some interesting ones. I've gotten some interest in in appearing on TV a couple times. And I've said no. Right. So I feel like they dangled the carrot in front of Travis Walton because this guy has spent his whole life getting made fun of. And he spent his whole life, you know, having people follow him around. They show up at his home. They call him, you know, asking him. And at this point, when this show pops off, it's 2009. So this is, what, 34 years Mm -hmm. after this shit happens. He's in his 50s. Okay, he's just trying to live his life. And this show pops up and maybe he thinks this is his time where he finally gets to vindicate himself because everybody else has been trying to muddy the waters and he's going to go on network TV and he's going to get proven right. Right. And they did him dirty. Right. I mean, so that's where we are with the Travis Walton case. And we've come to the part of this evening's discussion where we score this motherfucker on a scale of 1 to 10. What are your feelings on the abduction of Travis Walton? Before I give you my score, I'm going to do what we always do. Get on the Discord. Let us know what do you think of the Travis Walton abduction 1, not real at all, 10, completely real, you believe it 100%. And if you're not a member of the Discord, patreon.com slash garbagebrainuniversity is going to get you in. I feel like this one is probably a 7 for me. I think that the circumstantial evidence points to people telling the truth. As far as their perception, I feel like Travis Walton being gone for five days in six hours, nobody having seen him in the meantime, his family and friends and co-workers all being questioned and having their places searched for evidence, having the woods searched for evidence, he was nowhere. Right. He would have had to, and keep in mind, again, if you're a 20-year-old, 18-year-old, however old logger, you don't have the resources to, like, pick up the phone and get whisked out of the country on have a, a jet. a hotel room for a week, yeah. Yeah, go stay in a in a hotel room. You know, again, it, it was easier to stay off the grid in the 70s, but I really don't think there's any easily logical explanation for why that happened, I don't think there was any motive for him to have done this. I feel like the only motive being some kind of contractual agreement seems like very flimsy. And Especially if, since they didn't even enact the clause in the contract after it happened. If they were using that as an excuse to get out of the contract, then they would have. They would have ab- absolutely gone back and said, well, Travis got abducted, so we can't finish the logging job on time. They would have absolutely done that. The fact that that was never even done to me suggests that they finished the job, that this was not about this abduction or anything, that this just happened. Also, all the people seem like they're totally terrified of it. Right. They go back years later and interview these folks, and they still look like they're going to shit themselves when the people talk to them about it. They got traumatized by whatever the fuck happened. Right, exactly. Uh The only reason it's not a 10 for me 
I mean, no pictures, no video. Of course, understandable, nobody had video cameras in their logging truck as they were returning down the mountain. Right. Understandable why they don't have the evidence, but it's going to be hard for me to give anything a 10 without evidence and without feeling satisfied that I watched it happen in some way. Right, exactly, exactly. So what do you think? I'm going to give this a nine. I really like this story a lot. I really think this story is great. It is a very impressive story to me. It is absolutely the first thing I always think about when I think about alien abductions. It, It is the premier alien abduction story, in my opinion. I think that the cast of characters... There are people who try to impugn them or make them seem like they are not that credible. But oftentimes, to me, it reads as classism or it reads as people fishing for reasons not to believe somebody. Like, if you can only witness something if you're a perfect person, then we're never going to have any witnesses, right? Right, and you can't say that the only people who are allowed to see UFOs are those who have master's degrees. Right. I've heard people try to say Travis Walton did not get abducted because he was interested in UFOs before he was abducted. I mean, does that mean that if I got abducted by aliens, it wouldn't count? I mean, I'm lightly interested in UFOs. Does that make my perception of it not count? I don't think that would be the case. The cast of characters to me is credible. I feel like it would be really hard to arrange that with such a bunch of young dudes you think that none of those teenage guys would have gotten drunk one night and told their buddies that that was a big story oh absolutely that's why i'm saying you can't have a group of people like that and not have the truth come out right and i watched a couple hours of travis walton talking today and i have to say that this guy is not a smooth talker He is not somebody who seems like he's courting attention. He is, like, very awkward and not good at speaking in front of people. And when he talks about this, it is clear that he is terrified of it. And it is clear that he has spent his entire life thinking about this occurrence in his life and trying to make it fit in with his worldview. If he was not abducted by aliens, I will say, I did not give him a 10. I gave him a 9. I will leave it open. I will leave it open to have it proven to me that it is not true. And if it is not true, then whatever, right? But if he is lying, then something else happened to him and he is trying to make it fit into this alien story in order to make something even weirder make sense to him. But like I said, 9 out of 10. In terms of alien stories, 9 out of 10, man. I think, Natalie, what you pointed out is that if this didn't happen, something else weirder would have had to happen. And I do, I truly think that if he wasn't abducted by aliens, then he was somehow concussed and knocked out and held captive and gassed with anesthesia for five days with little alien puppets and people leading him around and... and (laughs) Doing shit to him. He was him. freaked out. He's a freaked out man. Like, you, ha- you can't you can't discount that. I mean, somebody, at the end of the day, something truly weird happened to the guy. And just like, you know, we keep talking about perception is everything. Right. So whatever he perceived was something truly fucked up. Well, we didn't even get into the other thing I wanted to mention with this is that after he got abducted by these guys, he saw other UFOs numerous times in his life afterwards, which to me, some people would see that and be like, 
eh, I don't know about that. Makes it seem like he sees a UFO and everything. But to me, that sounds like that hitchhiker shit where people will see a UFO or have an interaction with UFOs and it will follow them around forever after that. And that is something that has been happening to people in the military lately. So it's not just something that happens to people who live in trailer parks. And you know what? I'll tell you something, Natalie. If I ever got abducted by a fucking alien, you bet your ass every time I went outside, I'd look up. Right, exactly. You would always be looking. How often do you look now? I hardly ever look up in the sky now because I live in the middle of the city. I can't see shit anyway. But man, oh man, if I saw a UFO, I would always be looking. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would stay looking. (laughs) Do you know who else stays looking? (laughs) Corey Grella. She probably saw a UFO. If you want somebody to always be looking into the sky to protect you and your family. From UFOs. From UFOs or the fate that awaits us all. It's got to be Corey Grella, Alaska's number one life insurance agent. You know they have tons of UFOs in Alaska too. That seems like prime UFO country. It's so big you could hide out there close to the ocean. Everything UFO loves. Right. (laughs) Oh, you know where else a UFO loves? Harlem Township. Yeah. Right here in central Ohio. Right. They got geese, horses, UFOs. With the artificially man-made Hoover Dam that is smaller than its namesake, the Hoover Dam. (laughs) Made by artificial men. (laughs) You're sure to have a great time. You probably won't see many UFOs, but you know what? Stay safe. You never know what those motherfuckers are going to do. Right. They might do some weird shit to you. Maybe they're just taking care of you. A little self-care by way of alien. Harlem Township, the nicest, almost square, geographically delineated area in Delaware County, Central Ohio. Ah, you love it. Thanks to Corey Grella and Harlem Township for sponsoring us. If you'd like to sponsor us, head to patreon.com slash garbagebrainuniversity. That'll also get you access to the Discord. You can suggest topics for us to talk about or just shoot the shit i think at some point we've shown some alien movies we have to get the rights for them uh so it's a little bit of a process but uh we may be able to show fire in the sky if you have interest in this pop in the discord let us know what you think about that maybe we'll uh, get that popping at some point thanks again for listening and remember everything is real i love you goodbye